Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for a continuation of one of the best stage races this year. And it's still got a few stages to go. This has been unbelievably good action in Tour de Suisse. If you haven't been watching it, I know in some territories it is quite difficult to watch. It's been an unbelievable race. Summer's back. It's here. I'm a little bit frazzled. Went for a ride today and I was just, um, I was cooking. And I even met some, man. Podcast, some podcast fans. I, I was doing Cold Ordino an interval. I go past people. Sometimes I go past people. And I heard, are you Lantern Rouge? Which is, ne- that never happens in Andorra because <laughs> no one knows who I am here. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear an Australian talk about, oh, it's too warm outside. No, I've no, been no. handling with a heat wave in Belgium and I am literally melting where I'm sitting. <laughs> so I don't want to hear it. I mean, I'm <laughs> cooking with gas. My legs are on, uh, I'm, I'm on fire. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, big mountain stage. And this is, the Giro would have, <laughs> would have prayed to have a stage like this. I'll tell you what. 211 kilometers from Fish to La Punte uh, Chamus. I can't pronounce it. I don't know if it's French. I don't know if it's half German. I think it's they're in the French. I don't know. Sorry, Switzerland. Um, I have a small brain. 22 Ks are flat. Then the Furka Pass, 16.5 Ks, 6.4%. I think we are in the German speaking pass part. Then a descent through Andermatt. Then the Oberal Pass, 10.7 Ks, 5.6%. Both over 2,000 meters. That's a lot of fatigue even though you do have about 120k valley afterwards. Before the Albula Pass, 17.5k's, 6.8%. And the last 7k's are very steady, 7, 7.5%, up to 2,300 meters. That's Col de la Lowe's territory. Sierra Nevada's at 2,500. This is a very high finish before a uh, 10 kilometer, 9.5 kilometer uh, frantic descent into La Punte, where the stage finished. So, Interesting stage design because no one's going to go on the early climbs, but I do think those make a difference uh, for later yeah. on for the fatigue. But we had a, there's actually, the break struggled to form, right, Benji? Because I swear there were, because we were watching on live stats, there were a few attempts to get in there. Yes, certainly. And you said it, those early climbs will have an effect when it comes to tiredness for GC riders at the end, but also for the, the way the break is created. So many people want to get in a breakaway on a stage that have an uphill start and that could lead to a breakaway victory that you've got this massive group forming every now and then. And it was kind of two massive groups this time around that eventually led to the breakaway that we had today. And so many riders were involved. I'm going to name you a few because there's no way I'm going to go through 30 names at the moment. Higita was in there. Bernard was in there. Lascano, the man that climbed yesterday, unlike a ruler, like an actual climber. Paul is in there, the likes of Hirschi was in there, Stefan Kuhn, Simmons, Tiberi. Then I look at the second group that was trying to join that first group on the first climb, Kwiatkowski on six minutes in GC. I like that. I like seeing Ineos try something with a rider that is not their leader in a stage. And freeing Kwiat, we've asked for it for years. Sometimes it has occurred, but I wanted to see it this time around. The likes of Mauro Schmidt and Osgren. So Quickstep really trying to put riders up there as well. 
Rukosta as well in this group. And that's basically the, the most important names. I probably forgot a few, but there's so many names, I can't name them all. Anyway, these two groups, they kind of form one breakaway, but not every single rider of this group gets in that final breakaway. Most of the names I just named actually end up being in that breakaway. And we see that over the top of that first climb, but mainly once we go on to the uh, orbital path, I think the names of the second climb, which was more the, I don't know. I don't know how you say this in English. We say this as dividing the sheep from the lions or something. Excuse me. <laughs> That's some kind of expression where the stronger breakaway riders end up surviving that second climb at the start of the stage. And oh, then we get the actual- the wheat from the chaff. I have a farm, I have a, my own farmer's <laughs> metaphor, separating the wheat from the chaff. I okay, think. okay. Yeah. I'll accept it. I'll allow the cream it. cream rises to the top. <laughs> yeah, we could do this exactly. <laughs> I, got, I made it a lot harder than it was, eh? Uh, but um, when it comes to the eventual breakaway, I was interested. I was like, ooh, we're not in the breakaway in the mountain stage. I get immediate flashbacks, move on to, oh my god, it's happening again. So at the start of the stage, I was, I was dead set, Fanat is going to destroy everybody here. But then I fought for a second and I thought about the sprint he did recently and the other stage and I was like, he doesn't look in best form yet. So there was a chance that other people would win this stage. Quinn Simmons I was curious about because I feel like last year, I recall him losing a Swiss stage in a mountain Nico against Dens. Nico Dens. The enemy, yeah. The, the enemy. Why is he your enemy again? I forgot. You know why. I actually forgot. Oh, Berwick. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. He killed Berwick? He killed he did, him? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to bring us to where stuff starts happening. Simmons attacks in the valley. A group gets created with the likes of Paulus, Kuhn, Costa, Fonard, Lascano, Sobrero, Simmons, Hul, Tiberi, Higita, and Gogol. And then we've got a massive gap on Izagire because Izagire missed out. Lascano made it to the front group, Izagiri missed out. Which, on paper, you'd say this is normally eh? in a valley that the rulers try to attack the climbers, but... Uh, and also attack Izagiri specifically, because uh, there's a, you know, they could be thinking, you're on four minutes, we don't want to give any additional excuse to the GC teams to chase you, us harder than we need, they need to, yeah. so Gorka, can you fuck off, please? <laughs> and uh, he kind of temporarily fucked off. <laughs> but not entirely, because the peloton behind was keeping it quite close to the point that yesterday at the end of the podcast, I was like, this is going to be a dead set breakaway stage. We're going to lead it out to six minutes. But with Izagiri being in the breakaway, with Kwiatkowski kind of being at the start in the breakaway, they probably weren't going to do that then, especially with Izagiri. And the gap was three minutes. And what did you see in the peloton at the start of that final climb? Not much, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um... Remco doesn't have to do anything. If, if the group rolls over at the finish in La Punte 50 deep, Remco is absolutely fine with that because he will take enough, he'll back himself in the time trial on Sunday. So Quickstep aren't going to light it up. They're going to crawl. DSM, I really didn't, they started surging with riders on the front, maybe to try to get a reaction out of Quickstep, but Bardet wasn't in their wheel. And so it was, I think Knox was just like, I'm not, gonna chase you matt Dinham. <laughs> like i just won't chase whatever you're doing and then Dinham attacked off the front i thought well maybe he's gonna be a bridge for Bardet, but no. then Bardet wasn't doing anything so i don't really know what dsm were doing i think that Dinham launch platform that they tried to create kind of failed because Dinham just couldn't get away enough from the quick step train that wasn't riding that fast of a tempo 
but still fast enough to keep him close. But I do feel like at that point, I was looking at the peloton size and I was like, damn, this climb is really only 6% for 17 kilometers. Yes, altitude is coming. But at that point, I was fearing, what if we have nothing? But there was destined to have something happen here because who needs to gain time? Gal needs to gain time before the time trial on both Skelmos yep. and Emco, and Skelmos needs to gain time on Emco. So shit had to go down on this climb. Yeah, I for sure I thought Asia Twelve were going to try, um, and they had to because Gal is still in a in a deep hole because of the TT. Back to the breakaway, uh, the wheat has been separated, and basically. Wout was doing a lot of the pacing, Benji. Just setting a, but it seemed like it wasn't that heavy a pace. It was dropping like, I don't know. It reduced the group to eight or so. Kung was relaying with him, and then I think Costa attacked. Paulus went with him, and then Tiberi went with those guys. And um, Tiberi refused to ever pull. Is that right? Tiberi basically just sat on them the whole time, whilst Paulus was pulling really hard, and Costa yep. looked okay. Kosh just seemed to, he's a, a wily veteran, pulled within his limits. And yet, Tiberi was Hollywooding. Yeah, Tiberi was holding up at the back. And to be honest, I, I kind of understand where he's coming from because Paolo's on paper is the, the more better climber according to reputation, I would say. And for the rest, I would also say that Kosta has so much reputation in Tour de Swiss, especially because he's won this race multiple times before. He's been decued from a stage, was it two years ago, where he sprinted against Krohn after like a mountain stage? But he can win these kind of stage. He's proven it before time and time again. So if you're Tiberi, if you're a young dude that is a proper climber that occasionally shoots at a cat, then you're probably thinking, yeah, I should probably sit on and wait until the last portion of the climb and see if I survive in the first place. Yeah. And you don't know how you're going to feel at 2200 meters. You might feel good at 1800. 1900 and then all of a sudden you get to 2250 and you're like oh i don't feel too good and you can just completely capitulate so yeah or maybe he was just like well these guys are going to pull well i'll let them pull and then i'll, I'll <laughs> finesse them so yeah it, it's the first time we've really seen him in action uh as he's been that he did that mid-season transfer across to bahrain victorious and yeah wow it was just not coming back to them kung wow simmons was dangling for a while Mm -hmm. uh, but Simmons, I think, completely blew up. Yep. He seemed like on 15 seconds. So our breakaway is basically Palos Costa, Tiberi, we've done them. Behind what we expected to happen finally happened. Schmidt had been pacing at a sort of very, very slow pace correctly for Remco and Quickstep, and then the camera cuts back later, and it's Berthe? Someone from Azure oh, was lo, doing... Lo, 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 was it Cheryl? Oh, lo, 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 lo. This is DSM Domestique erasure. We had one DSM Domestique pacing just before the Asher Desert train arrived at the front. But you're right. It was, uh, <laughs> it was both of them, I think. It was Berthe and Anshirel at this point because they were talking to each other just before the move and like looking at Remco for a bit. And they were all laughing at each other, Gal and Remco yeah, yeah. and Berthe and Anshirel. So... Maybe they were thinking, okay, man, are we going to take a look at Remco, see if he's in trouble yet? But you're right, Yash Desair, not similar to last time. Now it was just hard pacing for a limited amount of time to make sure that Gull can create separation that way. But instantly, we've got that same Remco response as we had yesterday, right? Immediately on a bit of a gap, dropping through yeah. the group. 
because he knows, okay, he's not in best shape. He cooked himself on the first mountain stage, better on the second one, and he's just going to do the same thing, ride his own tempo. He's got the TT, already some time in the pocket for tomorrow. Schelmoser didn't look so good yesterday compared to the day before, so just don't respond to the accelerations. Do your best average power that you can do on this climb and hope that that's good enough to be close enough and hope that there's some weird dynamics uh, with the group ahead. And that's what happened with Remco, but... We basically see, yeah, Wilco, Ayuso, Bilbao, Gold go clear. And I'm thinking Gold's just got to absolutely pin it. Van Aert's dropped back from the breakaway. He drives that group actually for a little bit, trying to take Wilco away from uh, Remco. And then all of a sudden, there's just this monster Ayuso attack out of nowhere. He's been struggling in this race. Really bad the first mountain stage, I think okay yesterday. And he just whacks it. And I'm like, if he continues at this pace, <laughs> like no one's going back to him. Especially because Gold looked a little bit like after his attack, a little bit on the limit. Wilco and Bilbao probably a little bit stronger than him. Uh, Schelmers has dropped. And then uh, there wasn't too much camera work, Benji, but I think there was then a group of Schelmers, Sheffield somebody Uran and they drop Remco and Remco was also yep. just off the back a little bit not very far uh off the back of that group but Ayuso out of nowhere <laughs> stomping I love it I love seeing this because obviously I'm trying to also look forward to the Vuelta and to know that UAE is throwing everything at it when it comes to Ayuso for the Vuelta having had the injuries that he's had this season building up towards Romandy Swiss TT win at Romandy, but outside of that, I'm not 100% sure I was 100% confident after Romandy when it comes to Yuzo. And when it comes to the mountain stage we had so far, I also wasn't when it comes to Yuzo. So yesterday was not good from a Yuzo, but somehow he was able to stick himself still on a manageable gap in GC, which was 118. And when he did attacks today, and he does that to the point where he initially creates that serious separation. Bridges to the breakaway, the three riders we said earlier, Paulus exploded already in that breakaway, dropping from those two riders, Costa and Tiberi. Ayuso gets to them, attacks them again, but the gap is suddenly huge, because on one end, Kelvin one and Gull are probably pushing themselves a bit, but they're also with two, three, and I feel like there was a combination of not being as good as Ayuso combined with some group two syndrome, no? Nah, I just think they didn't have it. Really? Yeah, I think I used so just better. Because the gap, it's not like he went and just held 10 seconds, 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. Like, he ripped it open uh, to make it nearly a minute. Like, that is, that is, you're just way better than these guys. And listen, I was, I was talking to people yesterday, other pros, I was trying to figure out because I knew, like, it wasn't his knee that was the problem. He actually had a foot issue this season. Yep. And you'll see that in the celebration where he was, um, he had like a really big bunion on his foot, really painful. And he like, they couldn't sort it for a long time. And I think it's been sorted now, but he hasn't been training. And so I thought when he got, I would have thought with lower training volume than normal, he would have been really good on the first mountain stage, which was basically mm -hmm. a UAE tour style mountain stage. And then this hugely attritional beast of a stage, he'd struggle because he'd have no engine, right? But it's the reverse, so I just don't know. I just I don't understand. Um, I I don't know. I'm not as can't see his training peaks, obviously. But it's it's excellent to see because yeah, I've been 
it's been very exciting to see his development and uh, I was worried that injury could linger and, and listen he's not out of the woods completely yet maybe but this is a very very good sign he gets to the top I'd say a minute ahead of goal Wilco and Bilbao Bardet's been dropped by that group and you said he you said he went past and screened past to Barry and Costa right uh he, what sorry are you so screamed past uh, yeah, 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 yeah. and Costa. Like, it's not even just catching up and then yeah. being straight. It was like catching up and then Tiberi couldn't hold the tempo in like 15 seconds and was gone. Yeah. Costa was already also having some trouble. Tiberi was both, they were both not in great shape anymore. They've been in the break for the entire day. Yeah. But having Yuzel fly past them must be, must be so demoralizing because we're talking about 2K from the top of the climb. Two kilometers yeah. later, being ahead. And they can sprint for the victory as long as they Kosta can stay with won. someone. Kosta would against the Yuzo, though? If a Yuzo caught no, up... No, 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 not against... I mean, if, if, if a Yuzo doesn't exist, Kosta yeah. would have been to very easily. <laughs> he dropped him on the descent. But against Ayuso, that's a tricky one because Ayuso's got to ride for GC, but he's got a big kick. That is, uh, that's an interesting yeah. hypothetical that would have been interesting to see. Anyway, here's the groups. Ayuso, now then a 58-second, maybe one-minute gap to Wilco Bilbao and... Uh, who else was there? Goal, as I said. Goal. Further back, now group four, maybe, if you count Tiberi and Costa mm -hmm. ahead, is a group of Schelmoser, Ice Cool, Uran, Sheffield has actually dropped Remco. Then another group just behind across the top, Remco with, I don't know, Randy. Dylan people. Turns? Yeah, Dylan Turns and Kian, Kian Ertebrooks, um, as well. So... It was all over. We had no time gaps for Remco group, but we saw Remco wasn't a million miles back. So GC was yeah. still very much in play on this descent with Ayuso taking time. He's only on 118 with Skelmoser wanting to take more time on Remco with goal. His GC kind of died and Remco trying to save time before the TT tomorrow. Now this descent. Well, his potential victory died, I would say. Goal. <laughs> in GC, his victory died. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. The man goal. can still top five this race. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But when he first attacked, I was like, if he drops yeah. Gilmoza and, and Remco here, because it was 5-7 case from the finish, yep. he could, they could lose a lot of time, but that didn't happen. Um, the descent. Very, very fast at the top for the first part, and then becomes gradually more technical. And by very fast, I mean these are big Swiss roads at high altitude. We're talking 100 kph plus mm -hmm. that these guys are doing. Then it gets more technical. Ayuso is an excellent descender. He's full threat of death. We saw that in the Roman D. Did he win the Roman DTT? Yeah, he did. Shockingly. On the descent, right? Yes, on the descent. You're right. Yeah. So he's a madman. Um, <laughs> it's full also. Threat of yeah, go on. That's exactly what I was going to say. Full threat of death. Like he's that daring descender with enough technique to be able to yeah. show himself off like this. It's not like Pitcock where the technique is nearly perfection. But when it comes to Yuzo, it's there, there are a few corners like an S corner where he goes so fast into the first part of the S corner that his line in the second part is, is actually dangerous, but he managed to hold upright, but he goes like, he's going 103 kilometers per hour on the, on the straights, which is batshit crazy, let's be honest about that. That is insane. <laughs> I'm never going to go 100k on a descent. I will I never want to try. Today, actually. You're crazy. Danarkulis. I will never... I don't even want to talk about how fast I went down Cold Ordino when I climbed up it. <laughs> but, but this is the, the straight bit, straight fast bits. I'm not, this is probably the only bit I'm like Remco. Remco's fine on those bits. Yeah. In fact, Remco was coming back to the group ahead. Schelmoser was coming back to Bill Bow. Now I thought 
There is an advantage to have a group even on these sort of high-speed descents. Drafting actually does help a lot. Bill Bow, Wilco lets him through, and he was on the front pinning it. But then we get into the, the switchbacks, the corners. There's some S-bends, some really tight ones. And this is where you really see, if you're in the pro peloton, you, everyone, almost all of them are going to ride 100 kph in a straight line. They don't care. That's fine. The difference you now see is who can corner at 50 versus wanting to go down to 40 in a, in a hairpin. And we really see Schelmoser outstanding descent. He comes back to Bilbao, which I didn't think was possible, actually. And maybe Bilbao didn't want to push full with Wilco and Co in the wheel. Mm -hmm. He comes back to them. Remco Tiberi's uh, dropped by Costa. Tiberi's then dropped by the goal group, which is expanded. Remco's been dropped on the descent once yep. it gets technical. And you see a couple of shots from behind of his lines. And I said this before. I already said this. as before the, the Giro as well. In a straight line, Remco is happy to go fast. He did it in the Vuelta last year on non-technical highway roads, fast. But then you see his line compared to the others in there's a, there a switchback and then an, into another hairpin. And he just like basically goes straight and locks it. And the others are like going full to the, the, the outside and actually using the whole width of the road. And he gets dropped on the descent by everybody pretty much, except for Kian maybe, uh, or turns. I can't remember. So that's, that's another point of, He's going to need to work on that in the off-season, I think, because um, it's a weakness everybody knows now. It, it's obvious. Um, but yeah, Skelmo's a Benji. Ice in his veins, uh, but we should probably go back to Ayuso. <laughs> Ayuso just rides away with the stage. Like, unbelievable. But to hold on to a 54-second gap, Bilbao attacked at the end, um, and Skelmo's came second with Bilbao ahead of Uran. Bade came back on the descent. Keldman in that group. Costa was basically there. Uh, goal just got gapped a little bit at the end, lost another four seconds. Even a pull on 120, so behind mm -hmm. Ayuso, and lost another 27 seconds to uh, Schielmoza before the TT tomorrow, which could be impactful. Here's with a group of turns and Ozerich. Well, but let's talk about Ayuso, Benji. First of all, there's three more days until the time trial. I know that oh, we don't true. really care about the GC in the next two stages, maybe, but. No, nah, things can happen. <laughs> no, I agree, actually. And things need to happen for certain riders because you just yeah. said it when it comes to this stage that. Skelmose has now gained another bit of seconds on Evenepoel. So that's 46 seconds between those two riders in GC. And if I take a look at the first time trial, we see that Remco had taken 13 seconds in 13 kilometers, while the last time trial is 26. Yeah, you obviously can't just copy-paste the time yeah. from the first ET to the second and do it times two. But for the sakes of the argument, it's going to be roughly around 30 seconds is what Roughly, Remco can take on Skelmose if he's in similar form as the first time trial, is what I would say. If Remco's in good form, he usually takes more. But in stage one form, roughly 30 seconds. And 46 seconds is now the gap in GC. So I'm yeah. like, that's a uh, But I think longer is better for him. On paper, yes. Yeah, like I think it will exponentially be a little bit more time gap. But 46 seconds is not just a guarantee he's going to make that up. Yep. It's a Hillier TT as well, I think, the final one. But yeah, it, GC is really finely balanced uh, in this race right now. But yeah, Ayuso, unbelievable performance for UAE. He doesn't take the leader's jersey. His celebration, he was very, very pumped. He actually unclipped his right foot and pointed at that right foot across the finish <laughs> line. He actually maybe handed a couple of seconds back, not yep. knowing how close he was on GC. And... um. 
Should they send for the tour, Benji? If you don't know Poggy's <laughs> condition. <laughs> I would love that. But to be honest, based on the climbing that we've seen yesterday, the inconsistency is there. <laughs> and yeah. then I would rather see them go all out with a full-on preparation to the Vuelta and have yeah. him at his best there. And, he and can focus win the on the Vuelta. riders. He can win the Vuelta, 100%. He yeah. podiumed it last year with COVID in his veins, so he can do it without COVID. Yeah. Anyway, I do want to say, the user is now on 18 seconds in GC. I'll, I'll let you go through it in a second, but do you feel like you expect a user to attack in the next two stages, knowing that he's not a shit this time trialist? He was 10th in the uh, initial time, time trial, but he's still losing time to Skelmos and Evenepoel in that time trial. So either he needs to step up when it comes to his time trial and next time trial and suddenly do his best time trial of his life, or he needs to attack in the next two days. He needs more time. He, he needs more time. And, and if he feels good, he has to attack. That's just pretty basic rule that I, I believe in, is that if you feel really good, uh, you should attack if you need to gain time. So I, I really, yeah, I think he does need to gain time because, okay, his, his TT is good, but if you really want to win this race, you can't guarantee that you'll only lose 28 seconds to Remco or less than 28 seconds to Remco in the TT. But he's right up there. And if I had to bet on someone on a longer TT like that, I think he'll beat Skelmoser in that TT. So, yeah, it's really, really close. Um, here's the revised GC. Yeah, so Skelmoser leading GC again. Goal loses time. So Skelmoser took four bonies and took four seconds on Gaal. No, six bonies. So he took 10 seconds just in that finish, Benji. Yes. Goal is in the group with him off the descent. And because he played it right at the finish, wow, that's really interesting. Good, well played by Skelmoser. He goes back into GC lead. Eight seconds at a goal. A use of 118. Avon drops down one on 46 seconds. Bill Bow, 57 seconds. Kelderman, 116. Bardet, 129. Uran, 154. Out of Brooks, 157. Turns three minutes. So really, I see. Uh, so Kelderman, Bardet, their TT has been bad, and Uran's too far, and Kian's TT is bad. Bilbao's TT also isn't isn't really better than uh, Avonapool or Schielmoser, but he could beat Goal. So the whole podium could completely change. Goal could fall from second yeah. to, to seventh or eighth almost yeah. if he doesn't gain more Crazy. time, like worst case. Ayuso can win, Schelmers can win, Avonapol can win. I don't really see how Bilbao can win or, or anyone else, but still, unbelievable race so far. And yeah, it's, it's just, just that. Yeah. On this ascent, we haven't spoken about it yet, but oh, yeah. I've been I've been scouring the internet a bit to figure out what the consequences are. But Sheffield crashed in the descent, and it was apparently a pretty uh pretty horrible crash, according to Schelmers, who spoke about it after the stage in his interview. He went over the bars and basically crashed in a high-speed descent. Now, Danish TV, ha TV has said that he's on his way to the hospital and that considering the circumstances, he's relatively okay. I don't know what that means. I don't want to run forward on the facts either. So let's hope the guy is okay. But I'd say Sheffield would have won the time trial. Final TT. Am I crazy? No, he's... Climbing unbelievably well, so I think yeah, it's nah, could have couldn't probably <laughs> or Wild or Remco, but yeah. he would have competed for the top three. 
so he so he crashed on the descent Sheffield. Yeah. He's being taken to hospital. Yeah. So and it could have been worse. So we were really worried doing the podcast. So I had Luke and everyone scanning the scanning Twitter, etc. Because yeah, Skelmos has said it was a big drop off the off there. If he went, he didn't see if he went off the over the railing. So that was really scary. I just saw Lillian Kalmajan, I think, tweeted about um, Gino Mader, like thoughts and best wishes to Gino Mader. Let's stay Oof. safe. So I don't know if Mader also crashed on on the descent. Um, it was a, a high speed descent with some technical sections. So hopefully everyone's okay. Uh, thank God it was dry. But yeah, guys were pushing full gas. I don't know if Gino would have been though. But yeah. anyway, I hope he's but okay. Yeah you automatically go fast regardless of whether you're pushing to the point that one small yeah. mistake, one small road surface that is not completely smooth can can make you scour to the way, the end of the road. And hopefully, hopefully Mater's okay also saw that Evenepoel commented on the descent being quite treacherous and that they probably should think about that. Now, he also got... He got negative. dropped on the descent. Yeah, yeah, he got dropped on the descent, but hey, let's, let's hope the riders that crashed have no consequences. As simple as that. Mater... Sheffield, whoever crashed, needs to be on the road as soon as possible after this, in my opinion. Tomorrow's stage from La Punt, uh, so no transfer for the boys today. They'll be happy with that. They do, but they are uh, to Oberville, Lieli. It is a medium mountain stage from, and they do the Albula Pass on the side they just descended. So they just reverse the climb they did. They do 9K, 7% from neutral. That is disgusting. And then they do the descent of the climb they did today long. That are really, if you include the false flat downhill at the end, like a 28k descent. Then they do uh, the lens climb, 7.5k, 7.5%. That's a really hard start to this stage. Um, with also a false flat, sort of a false summit uphill. Then it goes into, that's the big climbing done. Then it's a flat valley for about 50k's. Then the Karenzerberg, 6k's, 4.5%. Another flat valley. Now we start... A collection of punchy climbs, uh, which are around on the way to the finish. Uh, 2.5 k's, 9.8 percent. The Schwandestrasse climb, then not more rolling up and down, up and down, up and down. Mm-hmm. Two intermediate sprints, and then here's three climb combinations 700 meters, 9 percent descent, 1.4 k's, 8.3 percent descent, 2.45 k's, 6.7 percent, and I think right. it's gonna kick. I think it's gonna kick off. I think it's gonna be GC action. I think so as well. But my man, what's up with Tour of Switzerland? Tour de Swiss putting random hikes to high altitude in random stages left and right. <laughs> How are we starting at high altitude in this stage for a punchy finish? I love it. It's oh, because they're doing they're doing no transfer. They're they're, they're starting where they finished today. <laughs> How fucking funny! But the benefit is that it once again starts with a with a nine k uphill, like you mentioned. Do you reckon that? The break has a chance here because who is going to control a stage like this? Yumbo for wow. Will they though? Yeah, true. Wouldn't you just get him in the break? True. He should get in the break, right? Yeah. Maybe with Imagine, a teammate. Why would even. you control all day for him? Maybe to not have it on these steep finishes at the end against with a tug like buddy. A sh- uh, who will tug the tug buddy if he has no one to tug him? Yeah. Sam Oman maybe in the break with him. I think you're right, but then if I'm remembering back to Tour de Suisse last year, this is a Remco lost time on a similar stage where he they didn't think there'd be GC action, and these climbs are difficult. Like 2.5k is 10, percent 
and it's up and down. Everyone's already tired. They've done two big, decentish climbs beforehand. And then the collection of the three climbs at the end are both steep in the last 15Ks with, and with no flat in between. And they're decently long. I really think if Ayuso is on, I don't know what his punching is like. Mm -hmm. Again, in the start of the world to last year, for a guy who can sprint really well, his punch was actually quite poor. But he's wants to cater to get show ahead of Kelderman. I don't know. I, for Schelmoser, I think Schelmoser and Trek actually need to take some time here because I think Remco is vulnerable to accelerations. Maybe, but I also believe that Schelmoser is probably thinking, okay, I've got 46 seconds. Now my, now my aim is to try and make sure I keep these 46 seconds and then see where it goes. If I get an opportunity, I'll try and use it. But on the other end, you said UAE when it comes to Ayuso, they've lost Bennett, they've lost Vine, so they can't really control the stage either for Ayuso, so it's down to other people doing it for them. Then Hirschi's there, but Hirschi also fits on a finish like this, so maybe he's going to try and be in the breakaway, Hirschi, and yeah, do it right. that way, because today he failed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Hirschi's stage win from the break. I think that's a... I think that's a good shout, actually. Hirschi's better. I think you're right. Hirschi should be the favorite for this stage from the breakaway. I really think if anyone, so many people have lost big time on GC, they should be wanting to go on the break. So I think we'll see Nielsen Paulus, um, Rui Costa, a lot of the same characters in the breakaway. If they had good legs today, they might have good legs tomorrow. And yeah, I think that'll be the break. I agree with your Hirschi pick. I'm going to go with, uh, who am I going to go with? I'm going to go with Rui Costa to win the stage, actually. I think is in really good shape. He's usually in good shape in Swiss races. And what do you think about GC? So you don't think Schielmoser will go for it? I think they should go for it. For my entertainment, I love them to go for it. For the fact that... Should, I think a user is more likely to go for it than Schielmoser is. And then here she's, but here she's in the breakaway. I reckon Trek should get Simmons in the... Here's what Trek should do. Mm -hmm. Simmons in the breakaway. Yeah. And then the second last climb, the Islersberg, 1,400 meters, 8.3%. They got to do full lead out, and Schelmo has got to go full gas on that climb. And With then it's, act it's actually a false flat downhill, which you do need a big unit to pace you after that before the final. I would do that and try and put, just take another 10. Because right now, I think Remco, if we had to do a, how the TT will play out, I would say Remco wins GC by 10 seconds. Okay. 10 to 15 seconds. Mm hmm. Uh, but if you take that gap to now a minute, all of a sudden, I think Schelmoser wins GC. So, really interesting stage. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, my pick is Kosha. Yours is Hirschi. Uh, but yeah, best wishes to both Sheffield and Gino Maida. Those crashes uh, sound horrible um, and just, yeah, really, really scary stuff uh, for yep. those guys. So, I hope those guys are okay. Anything else from the racing today, Benji? Er, I still need to watch the Boaz of Belgium tour, so that's going to be real Belgian. Hey, my man, I had to do a podcast <laughs> here, so I'm, I'm clearly prioritizing the podcast over my nationality, so <laughs> you, can, you can take that as, as a good thing. No, nonetheless, yesterday, about Boaz of Belgium tour, Philipson looks fucking good, right? And a strain, because Vanderpool is going to be lead out in the Tour de France every single time now, right? Yeah. They looked really good. Alperson are just locked in, man. They just have got like NVIDIA was in the break, didn't spend too much, and then just went straight into lead-out mode. It was really, really impressive what they did yesterday. Fabio, I believe, won the stage today. Sorry to spoil it for I you, Benji. Crashed. Pardon? 
Philipson and Ewan crashed in the final. Oh, okay. Mickey Mouse win then. Um, <laughs> the Coronavegan won back to back in the in Slovenia and in the Giro U23, Lucas Nerurkar, the Brit on Trinity, who you will have seen at Gran Camino. Uh, Big boy. Came sixth in GC behind Jonas. He is very, very good. I do wonder. How you pronounce it? That's what you wonder. No, I wonder. Uh, has Ineos already got him locked up? Good question. Is the Trinity relationship with Ineos now fixed again? Because yeah, I swear they had again. some trouble at some no, point, it's right? it's again, apparently, yeah. Okay. Um, but 25 or 23 riders from the Giro U23 actually got disqualified yesterday because they finished on the Stelvio. And they there was like loads of video everywhere of them just holding cars and motorbikes. So those guys are out of the race, a lot of them. Um, yeah, that, that was crazy, the Stelvio footage <laughs> of them all holding on to cars from the Giro next How year. How do they not... It, it was one of those things where two people started doing it. No commissaire said stop. And then they all just <laughs> thought it's fine. Because there were people obviously just filming them, holding yeah. the car the whole way up. Yeah. <laughs> Bizarre. Brilliant. Anyway, let's hope, uh, let's hope you remember the, the actual sportive side of the Giro next year. Oh, yeah, Stan well. Mitchell won the stage, yeah. <laughs> He's on Yumbo World Tour team next year. Yeah. Or is and he on it now? Where, where's Lamperti going? Because I swear he won the sprint, right? Two days ago? Ineos, Ineos I reckon. Ooh. I reckon he'll go to Ineos. Okay. They need, a, they need a sprinter, dude. They have four World Tour wins. My man, did the... you not see Viviani losing the race today? Which race? Um, Ruth Toxitania, oh, I think. I don't remember which... I think it was Ruth Toxitania, and he, he lost the sprint. He was in terrible position. Then he moved to the right side of the road. And he was like blocked in because one rider was in front of him, one on his left. Then he shouldered the rider on his left to the left twice or three times to try and basically he did a Grunewagen on Govacar and ended up second anyway. I think he might have been relegated. Has he? Deservedly. Yeah. Did you say he came second on the road? Yeah. Yeah. On PCS, he's the last of the group. So he, he got relegated. Get fucked. Without us even saying anything. <laughs> Kudos to that commissaire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, um, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Marin van der Berg won that. But yeah, I think... Would you take Lamperti or Vernon? I would take Lamperti. Uh, he's a bit... Because like Vernon, to me, he's, he's a good rider. Yeah. But his ceiling, to me, seems a bit lower than Lamperti's. Lamperti's could have a higher ceiling than Vernon. So, yeah. The thing is, my problem with Vernon is that so far I've seen him do good sprints in... Mickey Mouse races. That's no offense to Vernon, With but no it's like the sprinters. competition wasn't really solid. Rwanda, for example, I don't give a fuck about Vernon yeah. attacking. Some of them were children. Mulebran, for example, on the bike, he's a good rider. He's a fucking good rider, but he's not a sprinter. He's like a versatile rider, like Tess for example. So if Vernon is, is fighting those type of riders in a sprint, it's obvious that he wins. So I want to see him do sprints like. Hmm. For example, if you had, for example, a Trofeo Palma like race, but he, he was winning Palma. like fuck. But I, he, he was winning it this season. Fuck, fuck, <laughs> he fuck, beat Vinny. Fuck, fuck. My entire argument is fuck. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but they're you know they're uh, they're training races that happen on appear on PCS, you know. <laughs> no, but he he won Romandy stage one ahead of Hedgeris ahead of Nas. I think he's good. And I think his versatility is okay. Is he going to be? <laughs> is he going to be like you saw at the Dauphiné? That out and out burner. 
Probably not. But is is could he be a really good climbing sprinter? Yeah, I, it's I think different. He could be. I haven't seen him get close against top level competition. That's what I'm missing no. when it comes to yeah, play. yeah. Like he's exactly. also being sent to Mickey Mouse races by Quickstep. So, like Catalonia, he beat Bauhaus, and then it was basically yeah. got on Bovan Groves, you know, in, in that sprint. So he's beat like Bauhaus. Uh, I think he's different. I think he's a different sprinter. He's younger. He's also quite young, I, I'm, and I, I think he's a good rider. But Lamperti's winning everything. Like Lamperti, yeah. he goes to a race if it has a sprint. He'll win a sprint there. Um, he's won so many races this year, and he's uh, two years younger than he's, uh, so. He's family of that famous, was it a midfielder at Chelsea back in the day? Frank Lamperti? Sorry, that was a terrible joke. We should continue. I'm ashamed. No, we're ending the podcast now. <laughs> That's all from us today. Benji's ended the podcast early. We'll see you with the recap of Swiss tomorrow. Ciao. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.